You've used your one life now, mate. Just don't. It's, it's it like a, a boxer coming down to the ring, but <laughs> 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 that's a boxer who's going to get knocked the fuck out pretty early. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. I'm Austin. I'm Steve. And just like Hobbs and Shaw, we're fast and furious, which is especially true for me, but it has more to do with my speedy vocabulary delivery and uh, my bad temperament than it does to anything to do with cars. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, if you've never heard the show before, then hold on to your helicopter because we're about to <laughs> reel you in. <laughs> Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. There's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained, including a caption contest, impressions, a quiz, xylophone playing, sound effects, and lots of banter. So... Do stick around. So this week's film on trial, as I said before, is Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> is it The Rock or is it a hard place? <laughs> Hopefully we're going to find out. So just to say this will be a very spoilerific episode. So if you haven't seen it yet, there is still time. It is on at the cinema at the moment. I think number one at the box office. Uh, but you can listen to this, uh, uh, this episode after you've watched the film or you can just trust our judgments. Or alternatively, you can fast forward to the quiz this week brought to us by Joel, which we'll highlight in the comments section below. Now, before we go on to the trial, we should probably discuss last week's trial, which was American Pie. I'm still not sure what the first bit is about. It's an erection. <laughs> I was going to be more subtle you know, than that. Straight for the jungle. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry. What were you going to say? Totally, totally passing by. Isn't that so, what happens? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> never seen Gav lost for words. It's been a while. Obviously, you've never got an erection in a cartoon before. But that's what happens. Uh, so, Dave, you judged the trial and you deemed that it should be placed on the shit list. You've since gone away and watched that film. Did you make the right call? Yeah, I think so. I understand why people still like the film. I understand why it may have been a controversial decision. But I think I'm pretty confident in the way I summed it up. I think I, I'm, I was right for once. I actually think I made the right call. Um, and if, if you've got any doubts, listen to my summing up. I don't. It's nothing against the film itself, but I do think it has aged badly. And I think it was very much of its time. Oof, damning, damning report there. That was quite kind. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for that, Dave. Uh, So before we go on to the bulk of the show, I think it's time for Alex's Film Feels. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, nice and simple. You threw me a curveball with that one. Thanks, man. I feel like he tried to do something else. Yeah, he did, he did. I just went with it. I just went with it. Uh, okay. Look of shock on his face. When he... <laughs> was it good what you had planned? No. <laughs> that was bad. Okay, so my film feels this week is this is one of the biggest franchises, biggest grossing franchises ever. So what's your favourite long-running massive franchise that's never dipped ever? <laughs> never dipped? <laughs> is there... <laughs> I was going to say, is there a franchise that's run its course? No, be, no, uh, no, no. Quite no, no. Run on the course, on track. Yes. To getting better. Sailed into the air. Yes. Yeah. Are we putting a limit on how many films turns it into a franchise? I'd say three and above. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Because a three is a trilogy, so above three, four and above. 
I'm yeah. going to go out there and say Fast and Furious. I, oh. mean, I know I'm defending it, but I do love that franchise. It's, they, <laughs> well they, done. You I know hear the doing? spin-offs are particularly great as well. Yeah, I, I hope so. Everyone should go and see it. Yeah. <laughs> right there, so we're talking greater than three. Yeah. Okay, so not, not equal three. to three. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, That's a trilogy. Out. I was going to say John Wick. I, oh, I was going to say. Amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. it's going to be a franchise, yeah. so technically you could yeah. use that. Yeah. Well, well I'm going to use that then, John Wick, because I think that's awesome. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, coincidentally, John Wick was directed by David Leach, who directed Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. It wouldn't show, by the way. <laughs> you, you can tell. You can tell. It's just as slick and good. But originally... If you like John Wick, you love Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to just... I'm stepping in now, right, to ruin the... I'm the judge, right? And we're going to calm all this shit down before we get started. Leave but it for the trial. Here's some early triv. The, the director was actually trying to get Keanu Reeves to reprise his role as John Wick in Hobbs and Shaw. And he thought Ooh, the, great, <laughs> the greatest movie crossover since yeah. Avengers Endgame. Oh, it seems like an act of desperation well, to me. <laughs> wouldn't he just kill everyone and win? Like, that's, there's know. no conflict there. Definitely be a t- different tone if people get like, shot in the chest <laughs> and then shot in the head like, repeatedly. Yeah. And stabbed with pencils <laughs> yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Police Academy. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> of, of, of course you do, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. It never on. dipped, it just sort of plateaued at whatever level it started out on, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, I think it got to the point when it was it was like you know number twenty high towers day off or something, and it's just <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't matter anymore because <laughs> nobody my, was watching. That was my attempt at sound effects, by the way. Was yeah. it? Yeah. I, she, I thought yeah. the. the <laughs> I mean, it, it's like Michael Winslow's in the room right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I was just going to go on there. That was so literally, yep. I'm going to go. I'm going to swap my thing for Police Academy Two. I'm going to another. Another vote because I remember being a kid and just constantly trying to do sound effects. <laughs> there we go. That's two. Can I that. get a third? Can I get a third? Please, can we? Sting, you're very impressionable. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon you bow easily to peer pressure. I mean, if, if someone else goes with it, then I'll go with it. <laughs> We've got two. Anyone? Already. Anyone? I don't, it's a hard one to do franchise that doesn't dip. I'm not going to say Police Academy. Sorry, Gav. Franchise that doesn't dip. Maybe Evil Dead. I thought that's yeah. actually done all right. You know, it's, there's, yeah. been, there's been lull moments, but I wouldn't say it's ever dipped per se. But I think, yeah, I think that's a solid one. Yeah. Well, Ozzy's looking at Curious. There was a remake the, and there was a TV series as well. Yeah, yeah but I, I, mean, I watched, Evil Dead, yeah. I've seen the first Evil Dead. Yeah. The very first I'm, one or the second one? I'm going to say maybe it started low. <laughs> to begin with Ozzy, Ozzy, it's did, hard didn't to dip from in, that. Did, I did, that, but I watched The Elvis Dead. Yeah. And that was quite different. <laughs> that's that's how low the Evil Dead was. They had to put a guy in pretending to be Elvis, <laughs> being Ash of the Evil Dead, to make it entertaining. So, Wait, uh, Bubba Hotep? No, oh, no. no. The, right. the Elvis Dead, as in like a guy impersonating Elvis narrates the Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that sounds was like gold. That actually yeah. was brilliant. And it's, uh, it may even be on in the Edinburgh Festival at the moment. So if it is, you should go and watch it retrospectively. It's going to come out a week after the Elvis Festival, the Edinburgh Festival. Uh, yeah, mine's a piece of base Marvel. Just all don't, Marvel. Don't need to say anything else. Yeah, I was going to go with Star Wars, but it brings Ooh. back painful memories. So. <laughs> which which painful memories? Uh, shut up, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Thank you very much for that, guys. Um, so before we go on to the bulk of the show, oh, hang on. No, actually, you're not getting off that easily. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Worth the wait. Nice. <laughs> so before we go on to the bulk of the show, uh, well, no, actually, we're on to the bulk of the show. We're, we're on it. We're, we're yeah, there. We're there. We are in the bulk. We're ready. <laughs> we are <laughs> in the bulk. Count bulk. Anyway, uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to put Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw on trial. So hang on. Uh, I mean, I don't know what that was. <laughs> it sounded like the uh, Avengers theme. No, it was supposed to be Fast Love by George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you point it out. Yeah, I'll go for that. I mean, you know, I, I think that goes quite well with the franchise as a whole, to be honest. I reckon if during the fast car chases, you just press mute and put Fast Love on by George Michael, or any George Michael, to be honest, I think it would greatly improve it. Um, but anyway, right, on to the bulk of the show. Um, the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So in the role of defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be me and Alex. Now, I'm just like Vanessa Kirby's Hattie Shaw. I've got some odd medical problems. And if I were to go off, there would be some seriously toxic (laughs) consequences for anybody in close proximity. (laughs) And Alex is just like The Rock. Hey! (laughs) Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Balls. Low hanging fruit. <laughs> I was going to say, and he gets away with a lot of shit because he's so damn likable. Oh, but you went with bald. So, acting in a pros- prosecution and trying to get this film placed on their shit list will be Joel and Dave. Now, Joel is a bit like Idris Elba's Brixton. You wouldn't be surprised to find out if he was part robot. <laughs> And, <laughs> and Dave is just like Eddie Marston's Professor Andrieko. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, hardworking and modest, but nobody respects him. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that's not true, Dave. <laughs> now, just like real court advocates, we'll be making the best case for our roles. These may or may not be our genuine opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear our real thoughts. Which means this week... Ozzy has the most important role as he will be playing the judge. Now, Ozzy is just like Jason Statham. He somehow looks older and more unpleasant with hair. <laughs> uh, sorry, man. <laughs> it's hard. It's since you grew your hair back, it's really hard. <laughs> Uh, I mean, this would have been the perfect film for both you and Brucey. <laughs> but no, you had to go and spoil it. Anyway, now Ozzy must decide which list the film should be placed on the hit or the ship based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. So before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. So here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week, it has landed on Dave. So without further hesitation, Dave, uh, how would we like him to read out the synopsis in the style of... I feel like we've done, we've done the Steve before, done so stuff, it might yeah. have to be Dwayne Johnson, I'm afraid, Dave. Oh, yeah. Oh, Can you do it as Dwayne Johnson? It's a tricky one. In Moana. Ooh. Ooh. In Moana. <laughs> so you need to so just it. Dwayne Johnson. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do it like... Dwayne Johnson, aka The Rock, Prime, oh, yeah, do it as the Rock. 2000 WWE SmackDown. So yeah. just Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, this oh, is yeah, all academic. So. He's only ever done Dwayne Johnson. He sounds the exact same. You are film. defending this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, it, do it as The Rock, as though you're doing a, um, yeah, a little call out. Yeah, a promo, yeah. Okay, just give, give us a demo, Gav. How does The Rock do call out? Finally! The Rock! <laughs> does he? <laughs> <laughs> does he? Okay, so okay. to try and for, for Dwayne Johnson call out. Okay. Yeah. 
Lawman Luke Hobbs and outcast Deckard Shaw form an unlikely alliance when a cyber genetically enhanced villain threatens the future of humanity. Yeah. It was. A, it got good. a little bit super friends. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good. Good work. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Rock slash JT Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, Austin, would you like to kick off proceedings? Please? Yeah, thanks, guys. Well, um, that was quite the summary. So already, you know, you've got a tough, a tough prosecution to uh, to do here now, Dave. That was such a so well presented. Well, that's pretty much the highlight. To be okay. Honest. Well, I'm going to start with the prosecution, if that's all right. And if you don't mind, just give me. Um, actually, no. Let me do the defence, so you can do a reasonable summary. Of the plot, I feel like it'd be unfair to get a plot summary from um, from oh, the prosecutor. I, I pretty much covered it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, simple as to be honest, we've got the Rock as Luke Hobbs, and we've got Jason Statham as Deckard Shaw. Now, uh, what happens right at the very beginning is we find that um, Deckard Shaw has got a sister, Hattie Shaw, played by Vanessa Kirby. She and her crack MI6 team. Uh, come to there's there's a bit of a showdown there's a bit of a trade off with a briefcase that's full of deadly weapons we assume mm-hmm. so anyway all of their team get killed and she needs to quickly rob the the uh, the weapon before Idris Elba's bad guy Brixton can get it from her so she opens up the briefcase expecting to find a bomb or something and in, in, instead it's like a, a vial that she can inject into herself so just like any sensible person does, she injects the <laughs> unknown vial into herself. She knows it's a weapon, so she injects it into herself, and then she legs it. And then the film really starts. You've got, you know, The Rock. That's and... like an opening scene. That's like a yeah, pretty pretty much. Pre- the, 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 yeah. titles. The, 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 this is your, your opening scene, yeah, yeah, exactly, pre-titles. So then you've got The Rock and Jason Statham. They get asked by MI5, the British government, you know, by the CIA to work together to track down Vanessa Kerr because originally they think that she's gone rogue and stolen it. When they finally encounter her, she tells them what has really happened. Brixton, Idris Elba's bad guy, has actually, you know, been trying to get it and he's framed her. So then he frames all three of them. So they've got to clear their name, get the... Um, the, we- the weapon out. out of Vanessa Kirby's body and also defeat Brixton. And it takes them all over the world and there's a lot of action and it's boss. Yes, agreed. Okay. Um, Want to just counter a few? I feel like that's a lot of story to maybe it's, fit into. It's really not. It's legitimately <laughs> just any Fast and Furious plot just revamped. That's it. That's all it is. In the Fast and Furious, all they ever do, there's like double crossovers, who's framing who, there's like MI6 agents gone rogue. That happens all the time in Fast and Furious films. It's the same thing here. I thought Fast I, and I, Furious was like an American franchise. Yeah, but it, it goes all over the world. Right, so it's it sort of changed on Fast and Furious 5, it sort of changed and became less about like cars and drag racing, more like international heists going around the world, location shots and are, stuff Are like there that. any cars in this? There's a few. There's little bits. But, you know, and I'd agree with everything Joel just said, but I'd say it in a tone like, it's just like the Fast and Furious <laughs> franchise. They go all over the world and it's revamped and it's absolutely fantastic. You know, it's just a matter of perspective on that one. I know Joel loves the Fast and Furious franchise and I love it too. And I'm, you're not expecting something massively departed from the Fast and Furious, but the film does depart from it in like... So at the, the beginning sequence, you have Brixton come in 
and there's a sci-fi element so he's kind of like a, a sort of a cyborg without i know that sounds a bit shit but it's less shit than it sounds like he's got these genetic enhancements that means he can fight he's got this sort of like bit of a cool bike that you can use to sort of like roll like roll around and yeah. it does different tricks with it and stuff like that so yeah it is like fast and furious because it's fast and furious presents you know what i mean if you had like if this was a rom-com do you know what i mean people would just be like what the hell am i watching but it is like fast and furious it does have location shots but it's also got this sci-fi element which does make it more interesting and i'm glad they put it in so it is it is it's different in it's different in the important ways do you not think it just smacks of desperation though you know it's the same formula it's the same fast and the furious formula that's been exhausted it's been tired out and that's essentially all they've got so you know it could have been a cyborg bad guy it could have been aliens it could have been the illuminati they could have just brought in any kind of sci-fi element to it just out of desperation to try and freshen it up but failed i th- i would disagree obviously um but I think Alex is right. I think that it does depart from the Fast and Furious. So when Dave, you were saying there that it is sort of like cut and paste, carbon copy, Fast and Furious. But this time, they've injected a bit of sci-fi element. I would disagree. I think it's quite different from the Fast and Furious. Like, I don't particularly like the Fast and Furious films. Well, I don't like all the... I know. Calm down. Uh, I don't, <laughs> my co-counsel is really pissing me off. <laughs> well, I don't really like all the driving in the Fast and Furious films. I like the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> so the two minutes of each film. <laughs> But, um, so with this, there wasn't a great amount of drag racing, as Alex said before, and they went in a bit of a different direction. It felt more like a bit of a James Bond, Mission Impossible feel to it. And the sci-fi element, it wasn't like drastically different. It wasn't like, you know, men in black, like aliens are invading the world. It was something that is still sort of feasible. Like if we were to go and watch Rogue Nation or whatever, a Mission Impossible film, it's something that is slightly conceivable. You know, it's not too out of, you know, out of the ordinary also like a lot of the fast and furious films is vin diesel going like we're family and that's just like pretty much the entire plot is like people betraying him going like i thought we were family you've hurt my feelings and like that's it whereas, <laughs> whereas this one it's really good because you've got the interplay between uh, the film is called hobbs and shaw and that's a good title for it because a lot of the film is just the like the interplay between those two characters and they both do an amazing job so that i'd say that's a big difference from the fast and furious film it's still got that feeling of like ridiculous action which i love but it's got that interplay between the characters which i think deepens is, it is it an origin story or no it's just no. just happens to be about those two characters yeah doing something else yeah it, it kind of follows on through the films uh, yeah, it's what, what... jason statham looking for his family and then uh dwayne the rock johnson taking everyone to his family because it's safer so it's essentially <laughs> but, still but no, one, <laughs> no one says family <laughs> and nobody's fucked over by their own family it's true so just on that i actually think you know the fast and the furious is already an over-the-top franchise you know every single one gets a little bit more ridiculous and i think with eight like i was saying to these guys the other week actually with eight i think they went a little bit too far some of the stuff that they did was just a little bit too out there where it's in the realms of you know this isn't like believable anymore not that they were really believable in the first place but it it kind of verges on the just insane and this is just an exaggerated version of the fast and the furious so all the stunts that they do in that they just exaggerated to the nth degree in this it felt like it honestly felt like and this is kind of true 
but The Rock and Jason Statham were just in a room and they were like, oh yeah, yeah, and we've got to blow this thing up and then I'll fucking punch this guy in the face and then you come in and punch that guy in the face and then we'll blow that up. That's literally <laughs> how I feel. Like, they a- a- arranged and that film. Me, and then me, I'll me punch too. you and then, yeah, then I'll punch you and, and then I'll punch you again. I, 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 I would agree with everything he just said. <laughs> in a different tone. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> okay. I mean, so that leads on nicely to action set pieces then. So Joel's saying that these... Um, if you follow the Fast and Furious franchise, which I'm going to level with you on now, I haven't. So the last one I saw was uh, Tokyo Drift. So Ooh. I'm a little bit worried <laughs> that the, the film, the franchise as a whole, is not at all what I think yeah. it is. Oh, there are no cars. It it's sounds it's like. spiriling. Yeah, I think yeah. it's the worst. So, um, <laughs> so I'm just going to quickly take this one. I think with the Fast and the Furious, like I said, the action set, set pieces are kind of why you watch it. But there's always like a point to them. So, you know, it's always to move, like, the plot along or there's some type of suspense in it, like one of mine and Alex's favourite scenes um, is when uh, Vin Diesel's girlfriend is is close to death on on a... Uh, mid-air through... Mid, mid-air. This is where they land on the car. Yeah, about and he lands literally about 100 miles as if it's, like, a, a safety <laughs> mat and just smashes into a car. <laughs> um, so the, that's what I mean by being, like, ridiculous... But the action here, like I say, it's just all over the place. It's just there's stuff in there just, you know, without having a point to it. So there's just constant fist fights. And I just want to bring this up as well. There was like a rumor going around that Vin Diesel had this kind of beef with some of the other actors where he could only take a certain amount of punches before like retaliating so that he would never look bad. And apparently The Rock and Jason Statham both have in their contracts clauses, which means they can only take a certain amount of hits. So (laughs) they're never made to look bad. Even a genetically modified supervillain, which is ridiculous in itself in this franchise, can't land enough hits on them to make them look bad. It's just those two going on a big rampage. And there's never like any human element to it. Never do you think, oh, you know, they might not get out of this. There's like a little bit of danger attached to it. There's no peril. There's no peril. There's no risk. There's nothing. It's just literally set piece after set piece after set piece. It's almost like a showcase of CGI. That's literally all it is, or choreography. Is it is it draining that it's so many set pieces one after the other? I mean, they're they're exciting. They're exciting to watch. You know, they're, they're fun to watch, but... Uh, we had that film with um, Sucker Punch where you could just go on YouTube and you could watch yeah, all yeah, the just set the pieces and that's what you could do with this film. In fact, that's what I'd recommend doing because it's 2.5 hours long. The plot's just a, an absolute load of shit and the action, as I say, is just completely you know, pointless. There you go, Gav. Fight back to that place. I would completely disagree. I mean, I don't know what the fuck Joel was watching, but like every, film, every <laughs> action set piece has got a purpose to be in there. You know, it's not like they just come, like you, uh, the rock's walking down the street and there's a big fucking explosion. And it's then literally like, exactly like that. It is not, right? Like, so the thing is, right, is I'm not going to, like, say the, the plot is, is something like, you know, have a Christopher Nolan film. Or, you know, it's not. It's quite um, generic. It's, it's a basic... Christopher Nolan do that shit Superman one? Um, yeah, you only produced that, so don't okay. worry about it. I wanted to gauge the scale of how shit a plot it might be. Well, I, was, I, was, I was thinking about Inception there. You know? right, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> thinking, you know, when Leonardo DiCaprio's walking down the street and then all the buildings start folding in on each other. Like, that doesn't happen here. Um, you know, but it, the, the plot is quite basic, but it's the, story, like, it's the interactions between the characters that work so well. 
And it's also the action set pieces which make it the film that it is. And the action set pieces in it are incredible. I don't know what Joel's going on about because like, every single one of them has got a purpose. Like, so, you know, there's action set pieces at the beginning where, um, you know, Vanessa Kirby and Idris Elba are fighting. And then it's a case of trying to track her down. So her and The Rock get into a big fight. Then she gets arrested. Then um, Idris Elba tries to break her free and, you know, take the, um, the weapon back. And then there's a big, you know, action fight trying to get... You know, yeah, yeah, the, the to get all yeah exactly. And then, and then there's a, and then there's a bike chase. You know, every single action set piece has got a reason to be in that film. And uh, you know, I, I would say the like Joel just mentioned before that his favorite franchise was the MCU. I don't see how this is any different, really, because when you think about some of the MCU films, it is just a case of a carbon copy story. It's the same uh, sort of like hero redemption story that's told in every single one of those twenty odd films. But it's the way in which it's told which is which makes the film basically. Because you could say, you know, Spider. Man and Iron Man are essentially the same story, but it's what happens in it that is different. Well, this you could say, yeah, all right, it, it's got similarities to the Fast and Furious, but it's how it's told and what actually happens in it in the action that makes it different. Yeah, I just okay. want to quickly say something about the set pieces. <clears throat> um, they do get constantly more ridiculous. I mean, they are relentless and they get more and more absurd, more and more ridiculous, more and more implausible as the film progresses. And I appreciate what Alex is saying that they are kind of a staple of the Fast and the Furious franchise, that things do get ridiculous and it's kind of cool when it happens. But I think you can go too far. I think there is a line of how far you can push this. Take Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, for example. You know, in, it's uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> But no, Indiana Jones always had like paranormal elements, supernatural elements, and the first three were pretty good. But in Crystal Skull, they brought aliens into it, and they just went too far. They went over that line, and I think Hobbs and Shaw has done the same thing for the Fast and Furious films. Uh, like just talking about the action set pieces, I think they're really well choreographed, and I think they like again, like, like, as Gav was saying, that they link in really, really well. There's a really good action sequence at the end as well. And what I really like about it is there's no guns in it. So you've got this, you've got guns all the way through it. Is this the one that's hinted at in the trailer? Yes. It's because they don't have guns. When I say yeah, hinted yeah. at in the trailer, hinted at pretty shown, much shown shown someone I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Shown, shown pretty well. <laughs> okay, but that, it, that's a good but, action but, sequence. But, but, but that was actually very refreshing. And yeah. it's been a while since I've seen just a good old punch em up. And that changed it. So, you know, they're saying it's repetitive. They're saying it's like, gets more and more ridiculous. Actually, that sort of took it down a notch. So you've, you've got the, you've got this sequence where it's a really good sequence where it kind of like in a Russian bunker, things blowing up, things being shot, you know, really, really high action. And then it's nice at the end when you're actually building up, they sort of change gears a little bit and then you've got no, you've got no guns. So you've got people fist fighting and the, the, the actual fist fight choreography is 10 out of 10, I think in this film. So just to, Picking up on a couple of points that Joel and Dave mentioned before. So when Dave said, oh, it's, it's you know, completely different, like, you know, you're comparing it to Crystal Skull, I'd say, well, this is its own film, essentially. This is, you know, like the start of a new franchise that is going to be separate from Fast and the Furious. So why not have its own identity? Why not have its own stamp? It doesn't have to fit exactly into the Fast and the Furious franchise. You know, it can be its own thing. And when Joel said before about, you know, the, the contracts that these stars have, I read that article as well. And it does sound absolutely ridiculous. But when I was watching this film, actually, because that's what I was expecting. And I started, you know, doing like a little bit of a count when there was some fights. And I thought to myself that this was quite different. And I was thinking, I wonder if that's just the sort of like bravado, fake, ultra macho bullshit that goes on behind Fast and the Furious. And it's like a one-upmanship. Whereas this felt a bit more laid back, a bit more relaxed. So there are scenes in it where they're just getting battered. And right at the end, when they're fighting Idris Elba, like all the way through, they, 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 
barely hit Idris Elba. He batters them like every single time because he's he's programmed differently. He can see, he can calculate what punches they're going to make, how fast it's going to be, where they're likely to hit, you know, and he is able to dodge every single punch that they throw and he's able to just batter them. And the fight scene at the end, they, they actually finally decide to work together because all this time they've just been trying to, you know, hit like him themselves. On, yeah, exactly. But this time they actually come together and then they beat him. But like leading up to that, even that final fight, he is still having them off and they're just getting knocked down constantly. They're getting bloodied. They're getting battered. They're, they're like getting bruised. Last scene in Endgame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much, yeah, yeah. pretty much. But yeah, just to say about that, yeah, that final scene with where they finally defeat Idris Elba and it's like, because they work out we've got to work together. You know, you've got a multi-million pound cyborg here that isn't programmed to deal with multiple opponents. That seems like a bit of a, a bit of a blind spot that maybe people should have spotted. He can't deal with two people fighting him at once. And we've seen him deal with multiple opponents earlier in the film. Maybe they weren't as highly trained as these guys. I don't know, but it doesn't really make no, sense. It, 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 it's, it's not got that satisfying payoff. That's not how... They should. They, they, I envisioned them beating this un, seemingly unbeatable enemy just by like, right, okay, I'll t- attack him from behind because he won't see mm, that coming. No, it's a bit more complicated than that. They, they they have to like take a punch. It's only when he's actually punching them can the other person attack him. So there's like a small window. And yeah, like we can get into plot points, but it's a Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw film, you know, so let's not get bogged down in the minor details. The plain thing is, as they were saying before, it doesn't really link in. Well, that links in perfectly, that end sequence, because they are finally working together. So there is a characters coming together and I mean, it makes sense. I was just going to say, is there, a, is there a real overarching theme, like a moral theme? Is there a, is there a message to be portrayed out of this? Or is it no, I mean, just, it, so. is it action for it's action? It's the Fast sake? and the Furious. And, and like I said before, the, uh, I just want to quickly touch on the length of the film. It's two and a half hours long, which for an action film is insanely long. You know, we mentioned Endgame. If you look at Endgame, it's a little bit, Endgame's a little bit longer, but that's got so many plots. It's got a lot of story happening. Um, and this is, you know, these guys have already admitted, so they can't go back on it now. The story and the plot is, <laughs> is pretty much is pretty much non-existent, and to drag it out over Ooh, two months. I didn't non-existent. I said it was, uh, it was, no, I said it was no. G- then, basic. Yeah, like, basic, similar, okay, yeah, 2.5 hours of basic plot. So it's just action set piece, you know, yeah, dragged along with a basic piece, plot. Set piece, set piece, set piece. How many, I mean, I'm not expecting you to have counted, but roughly, I mean, not, how much I wouldn't action really is there? Count how many? Five, like, or, five or six. Yeah, set pieces. Yeah, it's like kind of five or six. mixed in action in between. Okay, and then the, so the bits between, then I assume are the bits that are pushing the plot along there's a bit of transport to another it's really just country. the rock and state and squaring up to each other yeah, yeah so it starts off with i'm not working with them i'm not working with yeah, them yeah. it's like okay we'll work together i still don't like you i still don't like you and then at the end of the film it's pretty much i still don't like you i it, still so don't like you it's, it's, character it's, development it's, um, it's written a hell of a lot better than what dave just said well <laughs> I, i'm no hollywood screenwriter. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, just then uh, to drag it off into a slightly different direction I know Gav and Alex like really liked it, but there's a few things in here which I'm surprised that they didn't pick up on. I think the comedy is so old-fashioned and a lot of it is just really misplaced. It's literally just jokes about his junk or testicles. That's literally all it is. It's just full of like misogynistic jokes. There's absolutely no... Is that because of who it's aimed at? I don't think so, no. I think it's just incredibly... I, I, I would, hang on, I would say that the jokes aren't misogynistic. In no way does he, he call them like a woman or, you know, a bitch or something. And, you know, so the, you're the, telling the, me dick jokes aren't misogynistic? It's, it's, I don't think they it's, are. It's, it's male humour, though. It's very yeah, exactly. teenage it's boy humour. It's, it's machismo humour. Yeah, I, I, I would honestly say, no, a, a dick joke isn't misogynistic. If it was, say, if you called him a pussy, yeah. 
Or if he called him, you know, are oh, you, you know, you, you, you're like a woman, you fight like a woman, then I would say that is. But I, I, I wouldn't, I honestly yeah. wouldn't say. Was that it that careful was. not to do that? Do you think? Well, or... see, it's what I was thinking because when we were watching it, I was afraid that it was going to end up being a bit like Tango and Cash. And remember the the argument that Brucey had in, in Tango and Cash yeah. was it was just like dick joke after dick joke. You've got a small knob. No, you've got a small knob. And admittedly, somebody did mention about penis size. But it was just once. I thought like that's going to be a constant theme. But it was like it was just like degrading humor to each other, like the insulting the size of each other. Oh, you're you you know you're like the size of a garden gnome. Oh, you're really massive. You're dumb. You're ugly. You smell bad. You know what I mean? It was it was like playground humor, but obviously written a little bit better than that. Yeah. And you know it, it was it was self-deprecating as well. But like it, in no way did, was it like homophobic or misogynistic or anything. It was just sort of like the, it, I would say the exact same jokes that we make every single episode to each other. Was, was there some actual chemistry between them? So Joel's saying that it was like just not jokes really. Not, I think you feel like they, you know, it's exactly the same as if you've seen any of the other Fast and Furious, like Hobbs and Shaw. Like they're kind of rivals with each other a little bit, um, and it's the same in this, like. It's kind of a playground plot, if you like, because they kind of they're at each other's throats all the time. Although it's like done with a Is bit that of banter. What they're like in the main franchise yeah, as well. Yeah, and then oh, as a I say, at, at, of, at the yeah. end, they kind of like, you know, it's like, oh, actually, if we put our powers together, we can defeat the villain. You know, it's like Power Rangers or some shit. But <laughs> uh, um, like, I just want to mention one of the jokes which kind of stuck with me because of how weird it is. Like somebody mentions Thanos and said like. And then somebody else kind of points out that it would lead to uh, genocide. Like, and then I think it's um, Idris Elba, and he just says like, "Oh, genocide, shmemocide, or something like that." And it was a bit like, you know, what what joke is that? How is that even possibly meant I, to I'm be funny? I'm not a Hollywood screenwriter. I could I could have written that. He, he I, I did. In fairness to that, I did have a moment of like, did he yeah. just say genocide, shmemocide? Yeah, and, and I was, yeah. So uh, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But he is the villain. As if, if if you could defend that at all, you'd say it is the villain saying it, not not someone else. But yeah, that that was a moment. But I'd say that was the only moment when I was like, what you know. And then it carried on. I I would just say like the. You know, talking about how it links into the Fast and Furious before. Yeah, yeah. Like when you watch, I can't remember, Fast and Furious, whatever. There's like a little bit where The Rock and Jason Statham are sort of having this interplay and are sort of insulting each other. And if the scene where it works really well in the film, and I think what they did is obviously they saw that scene and kind of made this film from it. Yeah, yeah, and okay. so the real impetus of the film was because the characters play so well off. And it, like what I like is when they're sort of insulting each other. And I feel like there's a good heart to it, so it's never too horrible. It, it's always kind of funny, and you can it see the both. It's actually playground here. Yeah, it's it almost is. like what you do with a friend. Yeah, no, it's not bullying. It's kind of it's kind of nice, and they and they're both equally getting you know the licks in. And I would also say like that, that what they did is they have like full like face shots as they're doing it. So you see Johnson's face looking at the camera, okay. insulting, and then there's a flip. So it's actually oh. it's quite different to how you know. Oh, with, with that in mind, I mean, we know The Rock is a great actor. He's been brilliant in, in everything I've seen. Oh, he's so amazing. Far. Yeah. Like, yeah. In, uh, <laughs> it's absolutely great. Jumanji was fantastic. Um, Rampage. So, Rampage was absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, Skyscraper. Skyscraper is one of my favourites. Yeah. He's just doing our job for us. Southland Tales is that another good one? Oh, I've not shit. seen that film yet. But, oh, my God. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Oh, so you get off the stage. <laughs> 
so we know The Rock's doing a good job, but are those close-ups of, of that interplay then, Statham, is he believable when you see that? You know, is he acting well? Is he doing, or is, it, well, or is he playing Jason Statham? Is he playing The Rock? Jason Statham all over again. It's the same guy we've seen Jason Statham play since The Transporter. You know, he's not really evolved much. And you might say he doesn't need to. You know, his career's doing all right, but yeah. it is still just Jason Statham. As far Could as the this Jason goes, Statham take on a Megalodon? Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Pro- probably a hell of a lot quicker than yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the previous one. Okay. I'd, I'd say, right, like, one thing about this film is it is just completely, like, the action in it is just unapologetic. It's completely bombastic. You know exactly what you're going to get from this film when you go in to watch it. And I guarantee that, like, if you check out audience scores on anything or whatever, it's probably going to be a really high rating because the majority of people who are going to watch this film know exactly what it's going to be like. You've seen the trailers, like, the trailer's about seven minutes long, you know, so they contain a lot of what's in the actual film. So people aren't going to watch that and go, like, oh, yeah, that looks great, and then get to the actual film and go, bloody hell, that was shit, I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) You know, like, it it is exactly, you know, we always mention Ron Seal films, it is exactly Mm. what you're going to expect from it. So if you're going to go into a film with Jason Statham and The Rock as the leads, you know that they're not going to be doing, like, Hamlet-esque performances. It's not going to be like Olivia here. It's going to be The Rock and Jason Statham, and there's nothing wrong with that. They both play themselves brilliantly. So there are only, sorry, I'm just going to take in, as being a judge, you know, I can do that. Um, <laughs> so it is Hobbs and Shaw you know they're the two main characters are the other characters yes and Idris Elba is going to get some because he's the villain is there anything else going on around there or is it literally just those two and the chasing uh, the chasing Jason Statham's uh, sister uh, yeah I'd say it rolls around those four essentially right. it rolls around Vanessa Kirby The Rock Jason yeah. Statham and Idris Elba they're pretty much your main characters everyone bit- else is a little part. bit of a support, but yeah, bit parts. Like you got Eddie Marsan, who is a great actor, but he's he's woeful in this. I mean, it's not his fault. He's given naff all to work with and a terrible accent. But um, yeah, would you that, rather he was in this with a bad accent? Or... <laughs> you know, still what? holds I, true to this day. <laughs> it's just it's a pleasure to see Eddie Marsan, but this is not his finest hour. I, like there's some great cameos in it as well. Like Ryan Reynolds pitches up, and I was not expecting that whatsoever. Yeah. Is he classic? Ryan He's classic Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds. And again, do you know what I mean? It's not you, you know you don't want to twist on Ryan Reynolds for this film. Like Gav's saying, it's Ronsel. You just want Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds, and he is, and it's really really funny. Uh, I, I think the whole supporting cast are really good. Um, I think the oh, who plays um, the sister in it, Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby. Kirby. Sorry. So I think Vanessa Kirby does a really good job in it as well because there's two huge alpha big egos there and she just cuts right through the middle and mm-hmm. gets her time on screen as well so and you know yeah, you, yeah. you remember her character as well just quickly because i know you're talking about Statham. everybody else seems to just not you <laughs> but like I, I would say um statham as well you know like you're saying the rock can do a comedic role statham does comedy as well you know he did it in spy was it the in one spy, with Melissa yeah. mccarthy and he holds it up and he's very good in this it was it, it was a different performance i think just following on from what Alex was saying, what I was afraid going into this is that Vanessa Kirby would just kind of fall into the background. You know, she would just end up being like a damsel in distress for these two big macho egos to rescue. Particularly well, the, because she's on the run or she's... Been exactly, yeah, whatever. exactly. Like reading the synopsis before around, you're like, oh, exactly. That's just, that's just what that's going to be. It's just going to end up being Tango and Cash again. But this time around, it was completely different. She absolutely held her own. It was only towards the end of the film. So the, there's a scene right at the very end where she's got to extract... The, um, the the weapon from inside of her and, you know, it's, it starts making her really weak and I think that was that there's only like a tiny bit in the film where she's actually portrayed as weak. But previously, she's smashing people in the face. She's absolutely badass. She, you know, she's doing like, well, it looks like she's doing a lot of her own stunts. She's doing parkour. You know, her character is really, really great and she stands up 
you know, take, holds takes her the rock down right at exactly. The she takes the rock down as well. Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> what I would say is that she's not really given that much chance to be like a damsel in distress. It's pretty much just about Hobson Shaw and massaging both their egos in terms of the stunts and all the cool shit that they get to do. I, w- I would say that she doesn't really get to do much of that. But also, I just want to drop a few fact bombs while I'm here. <laughs> um, so, Some of the old F-bombs, be careful now. So, so when Gav said... The highest um, explicit rating. You know, it's Ron Seal. I, I actually disagree. You know, I went in thinking that it was going to be more of the same, but I was extremely surprised that it was 2.5 hours, um, which I didn't expect. Um, but also, Gav said it, it topped the box office, which it didn't, like... It, it, it's behind the Lion King still. It's actually the lowest grossing opening weekend for a Fast and Furious film apart from Tokyo Drift. So I think that kind of shows, um, you know, attitudes towards yeah. a Hobson Shaw film. And kind or of maybe attitudes fact- towards the ninth installment in a franchise. You know? I, I don't think so. I think if Fast and Furious 9 came out tomorrow, I think it would absolutely uh, smash, like, you know, the, the records and that type of thing. I think it's a bunch of characters that make the films and this is just about two people that you know are kind of sub sub you know plot points in yeah, a different yeah. film okay well just before we wrap it up and then give me a bit of time to think joel brought this up quite a few times actually the the length of the film right two and a bit hours two and a half hours joel saying i think i read two hours and 16 somewhere else but over two hours for an action film I know it's been getting pushed and pushed and pushed with the Marvel uh, stuff. You know, we've just had a four and a half, five hour epic, which uh, didn't really pay off at the end, actually, now that I think about it. I'm a little bit upset by the, how easily he was destroyed. But um, is that too long? Is that too much? I'm going to go for Dave. Yeah, if right. I saw my hat in the ring first before we get a rebuttal on it. Um, yeah, it is too long. Genuinely, I, by the time they were in the, uh, the Russian bunker, uh, Alex call it before by that point i was like oh yeah this has got to be wrapping up soon and then i remember the trailer and i was like oh no it's not they've got to go to samoa (laughs) (laughs) by that point i was ready for it to conclude i genuinely was and then i remembered they had to go to samoa because the trailer told me they did i was just like oh no seriously and then yeah just dragged on even further it it does overstay its welcome it could have been two films instead uh no i wouldn't go that far they need to make this one shorter you know maybe cut back on those set pieces a little bit maybe cut back on a bit of a i still don't like you i still don't like you but you know just condense it a bit more and just just move the plot forward what 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 plot there is at a quicker pace that's what was required I, I just genuinely didn't feel that. I, I was surprised when Joel said it was two and a half hours because I just didn't. It just didn't feel that. It just flew by, and I just enjoyed it. Also, oh. that's it for me. You know what? Did you guys all watch this together? Or? No, I no, no, I watched it last night. Yeah, okay. So I, I don't actually think the the runtime is is that bad at all. Really, I mean, in comparison to you know to bring it back to it, but Marvel films. You know, you look at some of the Marvel films: Iron Man three, Captain America: Civil War, Captain America: Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy two. These are all two and a half hours or pushing two and a half hours. They didn't feel like it as well, neither did this. I mean, and, and what Dave was saying about Samoa, like, I thought that was one of the best, if not the best, set pieces in the entire film. Because for me, like, the cinematography was absolutely brilliant. How often do you see Samoa in a film, let alone an action film? Like, the visuals in it were absolutely stunning. When Alex said as well, like, the fight scene at the end, without any guns. So it's all, you know, just like fists and sticks and explosions, and it's just brilliant. And the thing is, as well, is it, it's, it just, it felt like a different world but still within the same franchise it was really really uh, fantastic to watch 
I just like to say I have nothing against Samoa. No, yeah, just, I didn't, I didn't in, terms say, of, yeah. in terms of the longevity <laughs> I, of the I film, up on it yeah, well. no, I, I got what you made me resent it, Samoa a little more because I was getting bored by this point. But <laughs> I, I would also say that, like, because they had that at the end, and it was so different from the previous action set pieces, it like kind of kick started. So if there was a bit of a lull, you kind of were like, oh no, you got a bit of a kick up the arse then because it like, wasn't more of the same. Exactly. It was if it would have been another, you know, like giant explosion in you know some Russian bunker somewhere, you might have been like, fucking hell, this is the same thing. But the fact it was so different, it piqued your interest. I know, quickly, in a, in a round-robin jobby, is, did they go to too many places, Dave? Yes. Alex? No. Gav? No. Joel? Uh, yes. Okay. What were you expecting? <laughs> well, no, I, w- I wasn't sure. I was trying to work out just how, uh, how much conviction... There was going to be out of your answers there, so um, no. Just, yeah. do, you remember, yeah. do you remember Men in Black International, where they basically oh, went on. around the globe? Oh look, now they're in oh, Marrakesh. Now they're over here. It's like now they're in Moscow. Now they're in Samoa. Well, on a scale of, of this uh, this travel in between times, Men in Black International or Harry Potter um, creatures, um, the, like the, they, what's they it more stay, like? They stay in the places. So when they go to a new location, it's not you're not flick, flicking between different places. You stay in that place for a while yep. and then that, that plot point resolves and then okay. there's a reason why they move on to the next one and then the next one. You never, it's never yeah. there okay. for too long or too, too All right, short. Well, I've got plenty of notes here to have a little read through. Can somebody uh, just, you know, take up the slack and throw us a quiz out there? And yeah, so I've got a quiz. It's, um, you know, I was speaking with, with Alex just before this episode, how funny we find it when, when Gav and Dave make a quiz and say, oh, we've got an easy one for you this week. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, what frame in the collector's edition of Jaws? <laughs> Did you see an angel fish? It's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this is genuinely a, um, a little bit easier. So we're going to start off easy. Is it got uh, a title? Uh, it's, it's fast and really shit. Uh, so, <laughs> just says quiz. I'm reading it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which Fast and Furious film was Dwayne Johnson in first? Bam, bam. Five, Fast Five, uh, Rockets Fast Love. Yeah, uh, and then one year previous to that film, um, Dwayne Johnson starred in a film of a very similar title. Bam, Fast Air. Fast Air is oh. correct. Um, um, okay, so worldwide, um, this isn't adjusting for inflation, just worldwide, what uh, Fast and Furious film had the best performance? And does anyone Bam. kind of want to guess the number? I'm going to go Fast and Furious 6 got 127 million. I'm going to say Fast 7 got 140 billion. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, eight. Whatever that was called. <laughs> last eight. Anyone, anyone else? I reckon seven as well, because it was Paul Walker's last. So it was seven, and it was 1.5 billion. Jesus wow. Christ. Did I say 127 million? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Furious 7, as mentioned, was actually only the, thi- the third, sorry, highest grossing film of the year it was released. I'm not going to tell you the year, but does anyone know what the highest grossing film that year was? Star Wars Force Awakens? Don't know. It is correct, Gav. Oh, well done. Oh, well done. Nice. Um, so, which other two franchises starring Vin Diesel have both either been announced or are in pre-production? Triple uh, X. Yep. And Riddick? Riddick is correct. Oh, good. That's my favourite yeah, franchise. He's not said much, but <laughs> when he does... I get one right. <laughs> um, I know so, my place. 
<laughs> this one's a little bit weird. Uh, Vin Diesel is one of the highest paid Avengers, true or false? True, probably. <laughs> Vin Diesel. Well, he did all of the translations, no, didn't I, he? I'm going to say please be false. Yeah, please I'd be say false. false. Are we saying per, like, minute of screen time? Because I reckon probably true. No, not per minute of screen just time, generally. just overall. Oh, then, no. I mean, he's got yeah, three words. No, you don't know. So uh, uh, it's rumoured that he, his paycheck was nearly the same size of Robert Downey Jr. No. no. So he's, he's got a great agent. App- apparently, he was one of the only few Marvel stars that already had a huge career before signing on to Marvel. Uh, and also, as Steve said, like everybody else, just voices their lines in English. He voices like 30 or 40 different times in every yeah, single language the, for I Am Groot. Um, so he's, yeah, yeah. he's paid yeah, well, uh, a, a I would, probably, I would do that as well, 30, 40 different languages, if I was getting paid like £40 billion. <laughs> yeah, but no one's yeah, asking you, though. Right. No. Sorry. There's a TV show on it. I mean, it's a different <laughs> okay. TV show, but there's a TV show at the money on BBC, and it was uh, done in Welsh as well at the same time. And... Uh, the actors have to learn the lines in English and in Welsh, record it simultaneously, like once uh, sequentially, and uh, Nuna get paid once. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I would kick right yeah. off. They need to get onto Vin yeah, Diesel's yeah. agent. Yeah. Uh, so Jason Statham started hitting the big time in the Transporter movies. Does anyone remember the character name? <sighs> no, I don't. Um, uh, it's isn't it something like The Driver? I mean, that, that's kind of his nickname, but his actual name. Turkish. Oh. <laughs> it's not like EastEnders uh, okay, so oh, that's what you were talking about no. Lockstock yeah. <laughs> so it's Frank Frank Martin Frank Frank Martin Frank Martin Frank including Hobson Shaw how many movies has Jason Statham produced oh. Oh. produced this and Dwayne he did and you can absolutely oh, right. fucking tell that's what I mean <laughs> I reckon one I reckon only one other one three yeah, I, I reckon he had something to do with the more. <laughs> oh, so Gav was closest. It is one, but it was just this one. This yeah. is the only film he's actually ever yeah, produced. Cool. Really well. Um, so Idris Elba plays Heimdall in the Marvel Universe. How many Marvel films has he been credited with that role? Five. Four. Four. Three. <laughs> two. Two. <laughs> uh, Gav's right again, so it's five. So it's four. <laughs> one, two, and three, and Avengers two and three. Um, so Helen Mirren is a name I never really thought I'd associate with Fast and Furious but yeah. <laughs> she won an Oscar for the Queen but she was also nominated and didn't win for The Last Station does anyone know who won above her and for what film would you give us the year <laughs> no <laughs> she was nominated for what what film The Last Station The Last Station I don't even know when that was okay I'll give you the year 2009 don't know uh, no, no idea, idea. Hilary no Swank idea. so it was uh, Sandra Bullock The Blind Side uh. Uh, and then here's the bonus question. So I think everyone's going to get the first part right, but is Fast and Furious one of the most successful franchises of all time? Yeah. Yes. Any idea where it ranks in the top ten? Second. Two, yeah. Or fifth. Oh, hang on, no Star Wars. Three. Fourth. Fourth. So number one, Marvel. Two, Star Wars. Three, Harry Potter. Oh. Four, James Bond. Five, yeah. Lord of the Rings. Oh. <laughs> Sixth, um, lethal weapon. Oh no! Um, sixth, please e- me. No. <laughs> <laughs> sixth is X Men. Oh. Seventh oh. is the Fast and the Furious. Oh, so okay. seventh. X Men was a thing. Different, yeah, different, uh, so I think Gav, was, was Gav actually Sony took the win. There. Gav smashed it. Smashed <laughs> it just like an apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go back there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Well, thanks, Joel. That was, uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun, even if I didn't get any answers right. But um, it gave me a bit of time to look through the notes. And I'm going to, I'm not going to lie to you, it's quite a difficult one because I thought that this was going to be a film that you would love and find quite difficult to prosecute, but I felt some real venom in your arguments <laughs> Don't believe him, about it? the film. It was more personal to do with uh, Alex and Gav. It's <laughs> <laughs> where the venom was. Um, I don't know. I got the impression that although it's long, it's not really any longer than any other action film that's out at the moment or been out in the last few years. Um, and a little bit ridiculous and maybe a little bit of a, a break from the norm for the Fast and Furious, bringing in a cyborg and whatever. But then it reminded me a little bit of the cyborg in Archer. You know, and that's kind of a quite a nice little twist and it's quite comedic. Um, I don't know whether there's much comedy. We didn't touch on the comedy between the baddie and, uh, you know, the protagonist and the, and, and the antagonist. But um, no, it sounds as though it's got a lot to offer for a certain... I, you know, it knows its audience well, is what I think. And I'm for that reason, I'm going to put it on the hit list. Yeah. Because it's a well... It sounds like it's a film that's been crafted... Or for a particular type of person. And that person is you, Ozzy. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm going to say is both my and Alex's cinema seats were completely sodden by the oh, end of it. Oh, man. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I was going to touch it, but I'm not now. I'm just not, not going to touch that one. Well, touch no, we've, done, we've done so well this episode, not to, uh, yeah. not to touch on any of that whatsoever. But yeah. <laughs> um, what did you all actually think? I think me and Alex have been quite honest. It, it was boss. Yeah. It was just boss. You'll love it. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's okay. okay. It's all right. It's, Blowing it's, review there. It's, it's <laughs> nothing special. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I wouldn't watch it again. Yeah, it's, it's I'm, all right. I'm with uh, I'm with Dave. Like as as Alex said, like we we have a great time over the Fast and Furious films, but this was just. I would literally call it a barrel of shit, to be honest. Oh. I just thought... Like, an entire barrel. Looks an like entire <laughs> barrel of shit. <laughs> I mean, like it's watchable shit, but I agree with what I said in that, similar to Sucker Punch, you could just YouTube the the big set pieces and come away like a happy man. Maybe a, a wet happy man like Gavin Alex, <laughs> but you don't need all the stuff in between. Okay, well, I feel, like feel like it's on the right side then. Yeah. Don't worry, mate. You've done the You've got to watch thing. it this week, so yeah. Right, well, you've got to watch it and tell us what, what you reckon. So um, I'll come with you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Please do stay. So mm-hmm. higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was American Pie, which on Rotten Tomatoes scored 61% overall and 61% audience score. So 61% critical, 61% audience. I'm going to say higher. I'm so, going to say the audience score, it smashed the audience score, but the critics won, maybe not. Uh, I'm going to say it's only done slightly better on both counts. Hey, Joel. Um... What did you say was the critic score? On, 61. Um, yeah, I'm going to go higher. <laughs> uh, okay, so you're right. 66 Ooh. critic. So we only just... Go on, audience. 90. Yeah! <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> As I said, everyone knows what they're going to get. Uh, so I once again put a poll up on Twitter over the weekend asked our friends and followers which list Hobson Shaw should be placed on. Uh, just getting over the finish line, 58% of listeners decided that it should be placed on the hit list. Uh, now, quickly before uh, we move on, any trivia on this one? I got a couple. Oh, of we had ones. quite a bit of trivia throughout the uh, throughout the. the so the, there was a, there. A, 
as Alex said, there's a couple of nice little nods and cameos. We forgot to mention uh, Kevin Hart as well, makes oh, a nice little surprise cameo. Oh. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so there's a scene where Jason Statham's Shaw um, opens up like a, a locker uh, that he's, he's going to hide the rock and you know his sister in for the time being yeah. and they go past this car collection that locker must be massive it's a pretty big <laughs> it's, it's a locker slash a pub slash, oh, right. slash, a, pub. A, slash a garage uh, and oh, it comes right. to his car collection and at the end there's a mini and he says oh uh, I, I had that one for a job I did in Italy uh, uh, a little nod okay. to the Italian job there and also mm. uh, what uh, I, I didn't get onto but I read afterwards is Brixton suit apparently has the Waylon Yutani symbol on his right collarbone oh Who's Waylon cool. Yutani is the company from Alien. Alien. Oh. Yeah. yeah, and he was actually in Prometheus, although he probably wants to forget that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, I took a bit of a screenshot of this film and I put it on Twitter and asked our friends and followers to provide a caption with the best one winning a chocolatey frog shaped treat. <laughs> All you guys have got to do is tell us the funniest one. Right, starting with this quite a lot so i'm gonna try and cut them down right this is a very popular one uh number one when they forget oh sorry i should say what the what the image is it's both the rock and his cousin roman reigns letting out a tremendous roar into the sky so all oh, you guys is this pre samoan fight yeah yeah okay, this cool. is just before so they're like ah oh, come here let's bring it on right number one when they forget the floor is lava <laughs> <laughs> okay stop stop <laughs> okay and number two um, two ply reality versus one ply savings <laughs> uh, now I'm going to skip through uh, eight Lego related ones <laughs> what's the best oh right standing on a Lego yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> that's going to cost us a fortune <laughs> and that was the moment when Chili Night took a turn for the worst <laughs> oh, uh, when the 40th trailer starts playing <laughs> uh, we have to do 27 more of these movies don't we <laughs> uh, Okay, um, oh no, lots of... Okay, Harry Maguire, 80 million. <laughs> uh, one just for you. <laughs> the Hobbs family, after using deep heat instead of baby oil to make their muscles glisten. <laughs> <laughs> um, me, when Hedgewig died. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, okay, Thundercats, oh! <laughs> it, oh, oh, oh! I don't know if I can read this one out. Ozzy, you can tell right. me if I need to bleep it afterwards. Exciting photo finish to the ejaculation race. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you, you say much worse than that yeah, on a daily basis yeah, yeah. in the American podcast. Pie episode. Yeah, I heard American yeah. Pie. Though. And this one's oh. another one. I mean, uh, no, I can't even say it. I've got to say it. <laughs> it's out of them. It's out of them. I, um, the first one was great. Yeah, first yeah, yeah. one. Just captured, captured the moment, I think. I, I can't even remember what the first one was, to be honest. What, what was the first one when they forget the floor is lava? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, great. Congratulations to Spooky Bear. You have just won yourself a Flippity Freddo. I don't think Spooky Bears won one before. No, they haven't. So well done. Well done. And I'm actually, I've started sending them out again. I went for about a two month hiatus because I ran out of Freddos and I was too lazy to buy some more. But gone up in price again now, haven't they? There was a little spell for a while yeah. where we mm. should have really yeah. stocked up. But. I know. Well, Dave has kindly bought a big box of Freddos. <laughs> for all you got us. a teddy? Uh, no, no, we just found that on a shelf. Oh, fair yeah, enough. and we've got <laughs> we've now got a, a, a mascot, which is the Freddo the Frog, which Alex is inappropriately touching. Whoa! Pull, pull, pull his shirt back down. Pull his shirt back down. How dare you? Right, okay, so um, just want to say before we go, we wanted to give a shout out to one of our friends and fellow podcasters, Dare Daniel Podcast. Now, I know I give these guys a big up all the time, but uh, they've just recently had an episode that was dedicated to Hall of Fame listeners and they have put 
films on trial into their listener hall of fame. Well, I should say mainly me because I'm the I'm the one who fucking puts dares for them to do. But uh, no, it's a really great episode. So if you check out that episode, it's the hall of fame episode. It was really great. Realizing just how vindictive you are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, some of the films I've recommended to them, which you can check out: uh, Leprechaun in the Hood. I noticed that wasn't in your shelf anymore. <laughs> Did you send that over to the special? Yeah, yeah. Well, as I was clearing the shit out of my DVD collection, I was like, this would be a good one for them to do. And also Heart Condition as well, which is... Uh, um, yeah, I know, yeah. Ghost, uh, Denzel Washington, gets to hang out with uh, racist cop Bob Hoskins to find out his killer. And it's classically shit. So do check out their Daniel podcast. They are brilliant. And check them out on Twitter as well, at their Daniel pod, and follow them on any podcasting platform. So next week's film hasn't been picked out of the hat at random, but instead it's a personal choice of our fantastic producer, Austin. And you have picked the Grand Budapest Hotel. So yeah. why have you picked that, Austin? Well, I thought I could do with a bit of an easy ride. It's been a busy few weeks for me editing this uh, this podcast because as you get bluer and bluer as the episodes <laughs> yeah. go on, I have to do more and more cutting. So um, I thought I could just have a nice easy run in because it's universally loved. Okay, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's, it's, I think genuinely it's one of my favourite uh, Wes Anderson films. Um, that that Darjeeling Limited and um, and then probably. I used to really I, like Life Aquatic. I mean, I feel like you're going to list all of Wes Anderson's films. Yeah, I was tempted to, but no, I think uh, I think that one just is a combination of all of the best bits of every other Wes Anderson is in this film. So, yeah. Lovely stuff. Okay, well, all of the rest of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So in defence will be... Oh, it's, oh, it's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's me. <laughs> and in prosecution will be Dave and Joel, which means that... No, they won't. Sorry, it's going to be... Dave and Alex, which means that the judge is going to be Joel. <laughs> Sorry, man. I don't go off the arguments. I go off personal. <laughs> I'm not about the film either, about yeah, the individuals. <laughs> so thank you to everyone who has listened to this episode. Please remember to like, share and subscribe. Tell all your friends, tell all your family, tattoo it on a local crime boss's forehead. So, yeah, that happened in the film by the way I should have mentioned yeah. that <laughs> uh, just spread the warm love that is films on trial in as many years as possible and remember check us out all podcasts and platforms especially Twitter at Film Trials check out our fantastic graphic artist Winston Sang at the underscore quirks and follow us on YouTube as well so that's it everyone Hobbs and Shaw is a hit and we'll be in your ears next week with the Grand Budapest Hotel goodbye goodbye